Welcome to episode 243 of the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports and Crest Media. It's been a hot minute since we gave you a podcast, but it's not because we don't love you. We just had a lot of fun and exciting things going on regarding my and Brian Cristiano's businesses, which we will get to in a later episode. For now, I'm pumped to get this party started again, and here's what's going down in 2018. I'm going to be your host for multiple podcast episodes per week. When Brian is able to join the podcast, he will. On those times that he can't, I'll be having a different co-host from the world of sports and marketing join me to share some thought leadership and deliver some value to you. These co-hosts will offer a unique perspective each time and allow you to learn from some of the brightest minds out there. This certainly will be a work in progress, but I can tell you one thing, 2018 is going to be amazing and I'm incredibly excited to get down with you again. The same principles from last year will apply. We want your engagement and interaction, so let us know what's on your mind from each episode. You can find contact information for myself and the co-hosts in the show notes. Now time for the show. Joining me for the first episode of 2018, the founder and CEO at Influencer, a software platform that helps teams and athletes tell their story together on social media. Sports and entrepreneurship are his thing. Jim Cavell. Jim, you ready to have some fun? Rob, I am excited and pumped up. Let's do it. Today's topic, the College Football National Championship. And Jim, you were in Atlanta soaking up all the goodness surrounding the College Football National Championship between Alabama and Georgia. Take us to your experience. From a sports marketing standpoint, are there some activations or brands or things that stood out to you? You know, I think the CFP itself, the College Football Playoff, has done a great job of um, creating an experiential marketing environment for its sponsors but also trying to get them activated digitally as well. But there's still so far to go. Um, The the Georgia World Congress Center, where uh, the SEC traditionally holds its SEC fanfare event around the SEC football championship, was used in a similar manner by the CFP. Um, The World Congress Center, if you don't know, is right next to what was the Georgia Dome and now next door what is Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And um, it's, it's a great location, great place for brands to activate. And I thought they did a phenomenal job. AT&T, uh, many other brands were there. Um, but the opportunity to activate digitally is still so infantile. And I thought that the ability to capture the eyeballs um, of people on social um, could have been a lot better and still can grow a lot. So why do you think there is such the disconnect between experiential or maybe not even the disconnect between that? Why is digital not seeing the larger presence? Because Brian and I talk about this all the time, and I'm sure you, you share the same sentiment, is social is where you want to be because there's so much of an opportunity to be part of the conversation and make it so content rich for the target demographic that you're looking to reach. It's because the decision makers that be are drunk off of the money that comes from rights, fees, and other traditional media revenue streams where they're still able to not just make payroll, but make a profit, right? Um, As that changes, or as rights fees come from Facebook Watch instead of ESPN, they will start to pay more attention. But it is an opportunity for those who pay attention sooner to win and change the paradigm, the landscape, if you will, of power and not just college, but also pro sports. I think the NFL is already onto this, right? We've seen it with 
their Thursday night broadcast on Twitter with a lot of the other things they're working on. But I think college football and especially the SEC, um, you know, they have a multi-billion dollar deal with ESPN and uh, each school gets a 14th of that every year. <laughs> so that's where they pay attention. Um, but we saw record labels do that for years and a lot of those buildings are closed down now. Did you happen to watch any of the different ESPN telecasts that they had on the various feeds last night? You know, I mean, I flipped to it. Uh, it didn't engage me enough personally. That's not my thing. Um, as funny as as much as I preach new media and adapting to, um, you know, the new environment of, of digital, I'm an old school guy. I, I like just watching the normal broadcast. I really don't like listening to uh, a lot of the guys they bring on um, from all the different perspectives. But I did see it a little bit. And I think it's cool because it's allowing people to hear more broadcasters, more opinions, see different angles, more variety. And, uh, you know, I think that ESPN has to start getting more and more creative to be able to adapt to this new era as they lost subscribers, um, are still locked in on the rights fees they have with the SEC, with the college football playoff, and have had a lot of people go because they can't get out of paying those fees. So they got to make the most of it. And that's what I think you're seeing them try to do with some of the innovation with the programming itself. I'm with you. I actually did not watch a single second of anything except for Chris and Herbie on the national telecast, which is crazy considering that I love all things sports. I've got three screens up at all time with tweet deck and then I'm tweeting and then I'm on Instagram and I don't know why ESPN wasn't able to capture me elsewhere. And I'm not sure if it's a good or a bad thing. I mean, I like that they give you the options to be able to experience some different ways for the game, but with the game of this magnitude, I want to be as locked in as possible because I enjoy the sport and the experience so much. So alternatively, what do you think that they could have done to try and capture us on a different screen? Because realistically, I'm not going to keep flipping between ESPN News and ESPN2 and ESPN. I mean, sure, people would do that, but there was an opportunity for them to capture me on Twitter or Instagram or in another capacity. Yeah, there's a huge opportunity for them to do that. And I think taking some of the, um, you know, the hard resources they have in cameras and staff to do what they did on TV, but translating that to a deal with a Twitter, with an Instagram, um, you know, even with a Snapchat through stories, there's a lot of things that they're, they're starting to pay attention to, but some of it even requires them to ditch the hardware they use to ditch the really, really, really nice camera for a kid holding an iPhone 10 that's on their staff, right? And that's, that's different thinking. Um, but those kind of things, I mean, just, just a, a mobile or multiple mobile angle feed with people with phones could have been so cool to show like that Makai Brown situation, Alabama number 48, if you remember, so special teams guy went berserk on the sideline. Imagine somebody shooting that from their angle on the sideline what you would have caught, what you would have seen. It'd been a total, totally different situation than watching it with uh, Kirk Herbstreit talking about it. I'm glad that you brought that up because during the game, uh, it was barely even mentioned. It was like, oh, this guy doesn't want infighting between the team. But on Twitter, it is absolutely blowing up. Like, this guy, from my perspective, he tried to fight his coach. So we're like, this guy is done. We're never going to see him on Alabama again. Then Alabama scores and he clotheslines a dude on the kickoff. And I was just, what a play! I, well, what, what a play. play too! I was floored <laughs> that he was still in the game. That yeah, because well. he picks up a penalty, 
sets him back 15 yards and then tries to fight the coach. So this is the the opposite of discipline. So you have to imagine Nick Saban's not going to put up with anything of this. And somehow this dude is right back in the game. And me as the digital consumer, all I wanted to know was more about what was going on with this dude that I've never heard of before. And the national media, rightfully so, they're focusing on the game, but would there be an opportunity to give us the digital angle of what's going on with number 48? Yeah, there's such an opportunity with those kind of situations. And to be honest, there's a lot of situations like that throughout the game. I mean, how about when uh, Alabama's field goal kicker was getting ready to go kick and you literally had people standing around him on their knees with their heads bowed praying? Um, and, and how nervous was he when he went out there? I mean, it was it was not even a surprise when he missed that short of a field goal that much to the left because it was almost like, you know, we expected him to choke with the body language and and just morale that was coming off of that sideline, right? Like, imagine that being reported by somebody without a filter to the degree ESPN has. So that's what's that's what you're seeing, and I, I think it plays into even what you're seeing with the UCF deal, right? So, you know, traditionally – You've had this situation where in the late 30s, I think it was 1936, the AP poll era began. And so you had an era where the Associated Press pretty much decided a national champion. And you had other ones, UPI and others, um, coaches polls come in and out from 1936 to today. But the AP has been a constant. And so Alabama claims, I think now, I think we're up to 17 national championships. But really, when it comes to APs, they have 13. Right. And so they've had this argument, different schools and teams have over national championships, Georgia Tech. Um, we can name other schools years in the, the, the turn of the 90s, sharing titles. Washington's another one. So you have these situations. Um, but now you have a situation where um, you have social media and everybody's a publisher. Right. And so I love the UCF deal because they said, no, ESPN, AP, they're not going to call us a national champ. But we're going to call ourselves one and we're going to use social media and some other new media tools to make sure everyone knows that we're doing it. We're even going to go offline and do a parade and a celebration at Disney World. We're going to document the whole thing through our media network. And it's gotten so big that Nick Saban, after the game, is getting asked about it when he just won the real national championship. So if that hasn't showed you that social media has disrupted things, I don't know what will. I am so excited that we are talking about this because my wife, Mrs. Bacon, went to UCF. So I have married into the family, and I first got to experience Blake Bortles beating Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl as a double-digit underdog, and then UCF this year uh, beating Auburn as a 9 or 10-point underdog. And I completely love everything that UCF's doing from a marketability standpoint. So we live in Chicago, and we can't be down there to experience the parade, the shirts, and everything that's going on. But guess what? We, we are living it up night and day via Facebook Live, everything that's going on. So from our standpoint, uh, once the Peach Bowl was done, they cut out before the the trophy ceremony, but my wife really wanted to see what else was going on, and boom, UCF was right there with a Facebook Live of everything that was going down on the podium, and I really have to give them credit for the way that they've embraced digital to allow fans who don't have the ability to experience what's going on 
to experience what's going on. And then taking that a step further, you nailed it. There is no reason why UCF shouldn't shout this from the, the mountaintops because this is what social media is all about. They love the underdog story. And there's no rule to say that they can't be the undefeated national champions because the NCAA is this arbitrary thing. And I know uh, we've got the, the, the national title there, but there's nothing stopping UCF from doing this. So, Jim, from a marketability standpoint, I see this as fantastic. And this can only help them with recruiting. It can only help them with recruiting. And the benefit of the fact that nobody else was undefeated and they are the only undefeated team makes it even more of something that people are talking about. I mean, people are talking about this on social media. All the SEC haters, which there's a lot of them, of course, are last night still kind of saying, oh, UCF, UCF. And, you know, it gives them something to say and create a conversation around. And I think back because obviously the SEC's dominance over the last 15 years, not even 15 years, really, it's the last 12 years, that dominance has changed the landscape of not just college football, college basketball. I'm from Syracuse, New York, okay? My beloved Big East is gone in basketball, what it, what it was, because the SEC was so good at football, it caused conference realignment. But if you think back, a lot of people don't talk about this. This would be a good 30 for 30 if ESPN would think about doing it. Auburn went undefeated in the SEC, won the SEC title, and didn't get in the national championship game just 13 years ago. That would obviously never happen today with the position of the league, but it happened 13 years ago. And I remember back then they came home and they did an article. You can look it up. It's in the Opelika Times, which is a little town next to Auburn. And they they crowned themselves the national champs. You know what the difference is? The Opelika Times circulation is about 10,000 people. Social media circulation is 300 plus million in, you know, beyond the United States. So because of social media, a non-SEC, non-Power 5 team is getting more from their claim as a non-traditional uh, national champ than Auburn did when they went undefeated 13 years ago. And you know what, Jim? The, the experience for UCF fans, I don't care. I'm going to buy a shirt that says national champions, and it doesn't matter to me that Alabama was claimed the national champion. And everything now is how can you market to a niche in one person exactly? And you know what? UCF is going to nail that bad boy down. I'm going to completely embrace it 100%, and I love it. And I only hope that this is the start of some change because now that we have these social megaphones that can really disrupt the way that things are done, I think that we're going to start to see a lot more change happening because of things like this. So let's get to the end of the show. Jim, time for the takeaway. What is one takeaway you've got from the national championship? I think the biggest takeaway is Alabama's freshmen were uh, on offense. Uh, second string freshmen were better than Georgia's first string defense. And Saban knew it enough to give it a shot and turn the game around. So for me, I'm going a different angle. Mine stems from a mindset, and it's actually on a rubber wristband that Brian Cristiano gave me. It says, never mm-hmm. stop 100% committed. Last night, Alabama could have packed it in when they were down 20-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter, but they didn't. In business and in life, you're going to face a lot of adversity, and oftentimes at the worst times, you've got to remember to never stop and stay 100% committed. When you do, greatness is possible. And now it's time for the action item. Tell your sports marketing friends that the Sports Marketing Huddle is back and to subscribe on iTunes. 
Also, if you're a sports marketing thought leader and be interested in co-hosting an episode of the Sports Marketing Huddle, hit me up on Twitter, at Rob Cressy, and I'll send you an application. Lastly, Jim, where can people connect with you? You can find me at jimcaval.com, um, and then you can also find me at Jim Caval on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, LinkedIn. Love to connect with you and uh, love the conversation that you are ongoing, uh, you know, creating here. It's, it's, it's awesome. And we're in the maybe the first inning of uh, probably an extra innings ball game when it comes to where traditional media is going to fall and where social and new media is going to rise. So proud to be a part of the conversation.